Hello and welcome to the Relationship Renovation Podcast. I'm Tara Kerwin. And I am EJ Kerwin. So today EJ and I wanted to do our check-in on the podcast so our listeners can hear kind of what our daily routine is. And we know that it's really important and the couples we work with really have positive things to say about how having a daily check-in really makes them feel more connected and attuned with one another. So again, I know we talk about it in almost every podcast, and we've probably modeled it in a few here and there, but we're going to start this podcast off with a check-in. So would you like to go first, EJ? Sure. All right. So today, let's see, I feel like it's so early in the morning, but I feel like I've already gone through so much. (laughs) So today I'm feeling, I was like agitated because the kids were just like... One of our kids really kind of made Tara upset this morning, and then another one didn't kind of, kind of avoided doing his chores. So I'm like a little bit agitated, but I'm I'm trying to let go of that. And I'm also like I think I'm nervous. I'm a little bit nervous about what we're talking about today because it's, it's a really important topic, but it's also a tough topic. Mm-hmm. Um, my goal is just in this next like you know hour of recording our podcast to to just be open hearted and to be honest. Oh, I like that. Yeah. And my relationship positive statement is we are committed to growing together. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Okay. Um and it's important to try to look at each other when you're doing this too if that feels comfortable. So today I'm feeling excited that it's Friday. I'm feeling grateful for our health, feeling super grateful for our center and all the amazing therapists and office staff we have here. I feel a little discombobulated because EJ and I just got into this. He said, she said right before the podcast, (laughs) but I'm still trying to like stay open-hearted. Yes. I was, I was wrong. It's okay. (laughs) But he was convinced he wasn't. And then we got to play back something on our podcast because we record it. And I was like, booyah. Yeah. That is one thing that couples do not get. uh, I don't know if it's a, if it's a a positive or negative though, that you can play back what (laughs) happened to prove that somebody was wrong. It just goes to show you, we cannot trust memory. Yes. It's just, we can't, we just want to know, think that we're right. Okay. Um, backtracking. So I feel a little discombobulated, but definitely thankful for, I know I've used thankful a lot, just thankful that we have this opportunity and that we have these amazing listeners and that, you know, that we're doing what we do because it's in our heart. And that makes me feel very proud. Yes. My intention for the day is to be really curious about my anxiety, pay more attention to my anxiety because I notice it now, like the more and more growth I do, the more I'm aware, like it just comes at me out of nowhere. Like, especially with one of our kids this morning and I just like feel all tense and I get wound up. And then I walked out to the truck because EJ was going to take all the kids to school. And I I was like, wow, I just noticed that I got really anxious in there and glad that I can have that awareness. But I'm just like, oh, it's just still so like it just catches you off guard because yeah. I had had a really great morning, went to the gym. Like, yeah, that was really useful for me too when you went and did that. Like I felt my guards go down when you shared that. I, felt, I was like, oh, okay, something's going on for us. Yeah. And I didn't know that. So I, when I notice it, I'm starting to let EJ know 
Because I used to just notice if my anxiety was like, you know, that panicky feeling and my heart would race, that's when I'd be like, oh my gosh, this anxiety is happening. But now I'm noticing that it manifests in a different way and I wouldn't have necessarily called that anxiety. It is. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm tuning into that, paying attention. I'm not trying to make it go away, just paying attention. So that is my intention. And a positive relationship statement is, oh my gosh, there's so many, (laughs) but that we are constantly striving to grow as individuals for ourselves and for each other. Yes, we are. So there you go, folks. It was less than five minutes. And ours was kind of drawn out. Like you can check in in literally like two to three minutes. And, you know, it's really as simple as what am I feeling? Mm -hmm. Um, What is my intention for the day? And then finally, you know, what is my positive relationship statement? And, you know, the big thing for for some people is just a reminder is that first one, what am I feeling, is just really being aware. It's not what you're thinking. It's not like, well, I'm thinking about this or I noticed earlier. It's just I'm feeling, you know, like I'm feeling a little, I'm excited, I'm sad, I'm lonely, whatever it is. Yeah. And just, again, it's the more you do this, it becomes a habit. And then you start to really be aware of like following through with intentions. In the beginning, it's like, I think a lot of people are like, oh, I totally forgot that was my intention for the day. You just create this new habit of doing this. And then it just keeps getting stronger and more profound every time. Absolutely. All right. So here's our topic. Our topic. I I will say this before we get into it. I um. I had this idea of this topic last night because we try to be more like organic with what's happening and like catch our podcast ideas like when it feels really good. And I woke up at, first of all, I had a hard time going to sleep. Then I woke up at midnight and then I woke up at 1 a.m. Then I woke up at 4 a.m. And I kept thinking like, should we do this podcast? I don't know if we should do this podcast. (laughs) Then I went to the gym and I talked to one of our colleagues, Jessie. She's been on our podcast many times. And I said, I'm really struggling with like knowing if we should do this podcast, because it's going to be a lot of personal sharing around intimacy and stuff. And she's like, hell yeah. <laughs> like, this is why people love you guys, because you've taken your experiences and have helped so many people normalize. And I was like, I just had to have that external validation because in the therapist world, like, you know, we try to share what's appropriate and what would be helpful, but also intimacy is a pretty vulnerable topic. And so, it's just like that, like fine line, but I think it's going to be okay. And the more couples we sit across from and it's like their story sounds just like ours around intimacy. It's like, oh yeah, like it's okay to do this. Yeah. I mean, one thing they tell us in, in our training is like you self-disclosure, you want to talk about something like once you have a pretty good handle on it, you yeah. know, that that's okay to talk. But when it comes to intimacy is it's this ongoing project between two people ongoing. And it's like, <laughs> do you ever really totally have a handle on it? You yeah. know, so, so we're, yeah, we're breaking this up into two parts. So this podcast is going to be about, we like to call it the low frisky partner. And then the next podcast will be the high frisky partner. The low and, frisky, high frisky. Yes. And EJ, do you want to maybe just kind of elaborate a little bit more about what that means? Sure, sure. I mean, so we actually, I can kind of go back to a podcast. We interviewed a sex therapist, Jessa Zimmerman, mm-hmm. uh, like a month or two ago. 
And we were talking about the fact that inevitably in couples, there's a discrepancy where one person has a higher sex drive than the other person. And I think one of us, I think it might've been me said like, you know, it's very common. And she corrected me and she said, no, it's inevitable. Yeah, You know, it's inevitable that there's one person who has a, a higher sex drive than the other person. And that it changes, you know, like one time, like, it could be partner A has a high sex drive in the beginning and partner B doesn't have it as much, but then maybe fast forward five years later, partner B has the higher. So it's not like it's interchangeable. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And, and you know, that's the thing that one of the things we normalize with couples is just this whole idea that like nobody talks to us when we're about to commit to an individual and says like, you know, hey, you're going to be navigating your intimate relationship with this person over a lifetime, yeah. over, you know, biological changes and life stressors and, and everything else that each individual and you as a couple deals with and just what a complicated issue that is. And I do think it's like kind of important that we differentiate a little bit as we go into the low, today's the low frisky, we're going to talk a little bit more. And then the next podcast, we'll talk about the high frisky is about it's going to be a lot about libido, which is sex related, mm -hmm. but then there's also intimacy is sort of the, is sort of the wheelhouse that sex lives within. And you can't totally, you, you have to understand that sex is just a part of intimacy, but yeah. they're all related, you know, kind words, gentle, non-sexual touch. Quality time together. Quality time, like that all is a part of it. But we are talking today a lot about just like, you libido know, sort of, drive yeah, the urge. libido, that, that drive to be sexually connected with your partner. Right. And so I think, okay, so what we notice, and this is why this is important. So when we have couples that come in, which most of them struggle with intimacy in the realm of sex, like, you know, there's one partner that is a little more low frisky, another partner is high frisky. And they come in and, and what I've noticed is that the higher frisky person <laughs> feels rejected often, feels really frustrated, feels resentful, right? And then the low desire partner feels guilt, shame, frustrated, hopeless, right? It just, I mean, Maybe that's resentful. Kind of resentful even, right? too. And then we kind of say, well, like, okay, like, how have you guys talked about this? And really nine out of 10 times, we haven't. That's why we're here, right? And so then I was like, okay, so, you know, we do this whole intimacy series and we start talking about that, but here's what's really important. Like, whether you're low frisky or high frisky, you have to start to develop ways to talk about it or it will build into what we see when it's presented here, which is both people feel hopeless or powerless or frustrated by it. And we're trying to help couples today, like whether you're in that place now or you're not there, but you want to just to know, like just talking about this and what that means for each of you is really important that there's no answer like, oh, you have a low frisky scale. So what do I do? It's not, it's not about that. It's about being able to talk to each other. So your emotions don't get trapped inside and build. And so in this moment, in the last Ooh, eight years, I'm going to say that I have been identified and I do identify myself as low frisky for sure. I'm low desire partner and 
I've done a lot of work of trying to understand it because it literally went to zero after my twins were born completely. And for the first year or two, I was just like, oh, well, it's just because I'm so freaking exhausted and whatever. Um, But it just, it wasn't me. I've always been more of the higher frisky always. And so it took me, it still takes me a lot of searching and being curious and trying different things and talking to EJ about it now, but we weren't before, right? And so I guess, you know, because I'm more of that low desire partner, I'm going to kind of speak from my perspective. I know some people will relate, some won't. So we always want to hear feedback from you guys or even your story, right? But where should we, like, do you want to ask me questions? Yeah, I mean, or? you know, I think for you, it was it pretty stark? Like, like was it just like, I mean, totally. yeah, like, like when did you first like get like, oh, like this is different. Like when did you notice? Uh, I literally think like when my whole life identity, everything changed when our twins were born before we had kind of had this life where like, you know, we had your two boys 50% of the time, like things were pretty non-stressful. We had a lot of dates. We'd go away on the weekends. We had so much quality time together. And that's just what we were doing. Like, yeah, just being intimate and and playful and fun. And then I'm going to say that the birth of our twins was pretty traumatic for me in many areas. I had pretty bad postpartum. The twins had colic. I did not sleep. I nursed for an entire year. Um, I got because of the postpartum, I got super resentful of you. I didn't even want you to look at me or touch me or, oh, like I can still feel those feelings and I'll probably start crying, but I'm not. Yeah, I will. It was really hard. And it still is sometimes. But I know that I'm trying and I'm really working on it to understand what that means for me again. Because I think it's really hard to lose that part of you as a woman and you try to make sense of it. And I've looked online like, I wish there was a medicine you could take just to feel that urge again, but there's not. Um, I wish we had more days to add to our week so we could have more date nights together, but we can't. And so at least we're talking about it. Um, But what has happened for me over eight years is a ton of anxiety around it now. Like, I'm scared. Like, what if we start to become intimate and my body stays numb? What if I tense up and it doesn't feel good? Because I know that I don't want to engage in sex if I'm not present for it. Because I know before I would be like, oh, well, we're married and we have to. And, you know, like I, I always trust that you would never go outside of our marriage. But like sometimes I would do it just to be like, okay, okay, if we like do it tonight, that means I'm off the hook for like at least a week or two. Like the way I was like making sense of it and trying to relieve my anxiety was just like, if I just get through this, if I just get through this, then I can like relax or my period would come and I'd be like, thank heaven. I don't have to worry about this for five days. Like, and I know that's not healthy, you know? And so I had to really change the way I 
have this narrative in my mind, you know? And so I think I'm like starting to get lost. Can you direct me? I mean, (laughs) I mean, I think what happened there for you that I'm noticing is, um, it kind of hit you the, 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 like, you know, sort of the punch of what it is. Yeah. And then it spread out over like, it's, you know, I mean, it's been eight years, like it's been eight years. Yeah. It's been like a long time now. And, and I think like, you know, so I'm trying to track it back to the beginning of like the birth of our twins. And I'm, and I think also, you know, and this comes into our whole story of why we started this yeah. and and work that we're doing on our relationship that's lasted over these eight years was we got so disconnected. Yeah. We had we were like so blissful. Like I just like as you were beginning that story, like I was thinking of us in like Costa Rica on our honeymoon and how like incredible it was. And um and then like we love these twins, but man, they just like pummeled our life and um and we were so disconnected we were so like we were so upset with each other and we were so just like surviving like it felt like that first especially like really year 18 months of their life we were just like surviving and we weren't we weren't entirely happy you know that and I think like that so you had this like just straight like biological physical thing that happened right this complete like scrambling of your identity of who you are and what your body is and then also our relationship was was just unsteady you know like like a lot of people's are after their after they have kids or after they go through some major change and so like yeah, and then it's it's just been like this long course correction. A long course correction, but I I mean I'm gonna tell for people who do struggle with low frisky, low sexual desire, or even feel numb, which sometimes I do most of the time. Um, I noticed what was unhealthy and what was healthy. What was unhealthy was like I built so much anxiety around like. EJ's perception and like, oh gosh, if we go on a date night, he's going to be expecting this. So I don't even want to go on a date night. Like I, I put so much pressure on it and which kind of made me feel very isolating from myself and from each other. And so that was super unhealthy. Like I created this story, like I'm not even going to get dressed and undressed in my pajamas in front of him. Cause then like, what if he like looks at my booty and he thinks it's cute. And then I see that look in his eyes and then I'm going to be like, Oh gosh. Um, so a lot of unhealthy, like narratives yeah. in my mind that just kind of tried to push you away. Can I ask a question? Uh-huh. Cause one of the things like throughout this struggle that we've had is, you know, you've always said like, we, you know, we just don't make enough time for us. And if we can make time for us and if we can go out on dates like and the, but then I did notice like a lot of times like we'd have a night where we're, we're like we could go out and then you wouldn't want to go out and I wonder is that what it was that like part of you was like I don't even want to go out on that date because like because then there'll be the expectation that 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 happens. No, not and maybe in like like five years ago. Yeah, but now it's more of like because we've been so busy like go, go, go during the week. Like literally like the last thing I want to do is like get ready and go out on a Saturday night. Like it's, it's for me, it's more of like, 
it's all or nothing. Like we work all during the week and it's constant with kids and our business and clients and couples and podcasts and writing and everything that I literally just don't have the energy. But I know that that's really not healthy. And so we have to just like we do our check-ins, we have to create a new habit of spending time together. We try to do our coffee now on Mondays, which feels really good. But no, that's not it anymore because I feel way more comfortable and we've really moved through this low frisky, high frisky, like pretty connected. So I, yeah, no, that's not it. But thank you for asking. It's great. It used to be that way. So, okay. How about this? So despite being the low frisky, if we're not connecting in that way and you don't crave connecting in that way, what's kept you connected to me over like, you know, these eight years? Like that's, I think that's like, you know, I don't know. Like that's even hard to ask. No, I think just like at a core place in my heart, I know I love you so much. I know that we used to be super connected sexually. I know that like we went through like where I was the higher frisky person in the beginning and you were the lower frisky. So I know that you understand I feel like you have, even though there have been many times where it felt really bad for you, that you have come a long way in accepting where I'm at right now, that you don't take it personally, that you know it's my struggle, that I'm working on it as much as I can, um, that we're trying to create more balance, and just being super grateful for like our partnership and what we do here at our center, like because I don't have a need for sex. I don't like if, if you are, if right now, this is just in this moment. Cause I want, cause I know that when we do engage, it feels really nice, but like my, that anxiety piece or that numbness piece, like it's just missing now. Like if you were to ask me today, I'm like, Oh, I could totally like be okay. Not ever doing that. But I know that that's not true, you know, but in, that's just how I feel right now. So I try to focus on all the other ways. Like I feel connected with you when I'm sitting next to you on the sofa when we're doing our couples counseling and when we're with our kids and when we're writing together our course developments and stuff, like those are enough for me. You know, like I, would I like to have more date nights? Absolutely. Would I like to have more like energy together for the two of us? Absolutely. But I'm also kind of in this place of acceptance. Like we chose to be in this business and to build it, you know, from the ground up and, And that's taken a lot of our energy and that's okay. And I also know that I don't want it to be like this forever. And so that when we do create balance and it's starting to happen, that things are definitely going to change. So I'm grateful that I've been able, I guess that just takes me back to that question. Like I've been able to be in this place of acceptance around it. And I feel like, although you still judge me at times, or I still get really anxious for the most part, I feel really comfortable that you can understand why it's happening. And you've seen me go to doctors. You've seen me try bioidentical hormones. You've seen me try vitamins. You've seen me, I mean, doing all of these things to try to, you know, but I think it's just I've got to understand it. I have to have you hold space for that. And then I have to really work on my anxiety around it. And I've told you that, right? Like when we are in bed together or snuggling, I let you in. I'm really vulnerable. I'm like, it's one of those times where I feel like really nervous because I can tell you're a high frisky and I really want to be able to be close to you, but my anxiety is like so huge. And you'll be like, what can I do? And I'll say, maybe just like massage my neck or help me get out the tension, help me get out of my head. And it doesn't have to lead anywhere. Maybe it does, but like 
it's huge for me to soothe my little nervous system that's so scared that I won't ever come back to who I was, but I won't. I There's no way that will happen, but I can definitely come back to be something more than it is now, which that's what I'm working on. There's no magic fix. There's no, there's nothing like that out there. Yeah. It's talking about it, connecting with it, working on yourself individually, working on my body image, which is so much better, which is a huge part, right? After you have a baby and twins <laughs> and everything just looks different, but I've been working on that. I feel good about myself. I try to wear cute little outfits and stuff just for me. And one of the biggest things I do now is I try not to caretake you in those moments. Like it's got to be okay that I'm in this place right now, you know? And so I even, I can't act out of guilt, you know? And I think you know that, but. Sure. If you're just straight talking to a person out there who relates to your story and or your position. And I would love to hear if you do, because yeah. I feel like I'm being super vulnerable and. It's for the purpose of like maybe helping others know that like they're not alone. Yeah. What do you want to tell that person? I mean, what do you want them to hear? I think like oh, that you're not broken, that it might be different and feel different. But if you keep working on yourself and having a healthy dialogue with your partner, that it'll feel much better. Than what it feels like if you're just trying to navigate it alone. Too many times I've seen couples who just totally turn it off. I mean, they don't make love for years or years, or they, it's just not even. And it's it's sad because it's a part of us. It's part of our like biological drive. It's part of like intimacy and closeness, and and just to like know that it's okay, like wherever you're at, but to be curious and pay attention to that part of you or it's not going to be able to cultivate in a different way. Cause I know it'll be different, you know, like my, it'll never be like it was before kids. Cause it's not spontaneous like that anymore. And it's not like this, you know, urge you feel that's just like, let's rip our clothes off. I mean, maybe it'll come back. I don't know. I know it's not there now, but that you're not broken. Um, and that if you are able to talk with your partner and and work on it yourself, that it changes and it shifts. Like it has shifted dramatically for me around how I perceive you and me and how I move through it in my own body. But I still am stuck in the anxiety part and that's Okay. I mean, it's, it's interesting because as you were just right at the end, I was just thinking, you know, how important it is for couples, for us to stay connected in it, but we have like such a different experience. And so it's really hard because even though I've had a time where, where you were more the high frisky and I was the lower frisky for a little bit, it's still like, I don't know what it's like entirely for you to spend these years in the place you're at. Yeah. And it's, and then that's like so important that I'm empathetic to it. Um, but it's, it's been a lot of like, I think that's what couples do and what we've struggled with is a lot of times it's felt very like, yeah. divided apart. And that's another thing I would say too, because 
And it kind of reminds me of something that happened last night. EJ, like in the beginning, learned, like, I'm just not going to make advances. I'm not going to flirt with her. Like, that makes it worse, right? We don't know that. But then it's like you're just enabling the whole system to, like, not making that a priority. And I remember when I started to, like, when we started to talk about this and move through this, I'm like, I want you to still flirt with me. I want you to make advances. I want you to still see me as sexy. Like, don't stop doing what you're doing just because you know most of the time I'm not going to be able to like bring that energy to you. Like don't stop what you're doing because otherwise that's where we were really split because you kind of took that resignation piece and like I'm not even going to try anymore. And then just last night we were in the office after one of our sessions and you are like, oh, like you are super flirty with me and I froze. I totally froze. And I don't, I didn't even know what was happening. And then I was driving home and I was like, oh my God, EJ was flirting with me. And I froze. That was my anxiety. Cause it, I was like, oh God, he's, cause I looked cute yesterday, I think. <laughs> yes, you did. And I was like, oh God, like, okay. Like that's what happened. It was anxiety. Cause I knew he was whatever. And then we get home and <laughs> EJ's like, Go ahead. I wouldn't want to speak for you. Well, I was I I was driving home, being like kind of in that place where I was like, well, why do I even put myself out there like that? Because it it felt like it didn't feel like I got shut down. It just felt like I put an energy out, and it just like flew into the universe and, and yeah. just like dissipated into nothingness. And you talked about it with me. You said. and so I came back. I you know I'm I'm always like cautious because I don't want to make you feel bad. And and so you know there's this there's this avoidant part of me that's just like just shut up, just like just swallow it, deal put on a good face and move forward. But then I'm like, okay, she always tells me I can't do that. That will just lead, make things worse. So Absolutely. I waited a little bit. And then I, I said like, look, I, well, I asked you, that's, that was, yeah. I, I think that might've helped. I said, what happened when I sort of flirted with you and you let, you kind of let me know about the anxiety thing. And then I said like, you know, if you could just like, even if you're telling me like, Hey, I don't want, I don't want that right now. Just if you tell me something then it's like, I don't know, like that feels better. Like it feels like there's a feedback loop of like, hey, yeah. you're looking super cute. Oh, I'm not really in that place. And and I'm feeling a little uncomfortable. I could be like, okay, all right, thank you. But if there was no response, I was just like, yeah, wah, wah, wah. But which is like, I said, like, I didn't have a response. Like I didn't yeah, know. I didn't, I, in the, I didn't know in the moment I froze. I didn't know it was anxiety. So you made this request and I was like, absolutely. I hear that it's important for you that I'm receptive to that, whatever that looks like. And I said, I'm going to work on that. But in that moment, like I didn't even know, but thank goodness, like the drive home, I thought about it. So then I could tell you, right. But that there are times where someone won't even know, but if you pay attention, it'll come to you, which is what we do. We pay attention. So now I know like, okay, if EJ is flirting with me, I'm going to be way more aware that like my freeze might come in and that he said to me, it's really important that you give me something girl. Right. And I'm going to say like, Hey, like I can notice that feeling again and just give you that. Right. If that's what's happening. So yeah, yeah we just talk about it. And guess what? If we wouldn't have done that, what would have happened if we wouldn't have talked about that little moment last night where you were flirting? I would have been just pretty avoidant, pretty checked out. I would have told myself, just don't do it again for a while. Don't do it, period. 
and you know, I would have gotten into a place of hopelessness and just like powerlessness. And for me, my freeze response would not have been processed. It would happen again the next time. I probably wouldn't have awareness of it. And then it's going to perpetually build and it's not going to feel safe anymore. And that's not what happened because we got through it. Was it still difficult? Absolutely. <laughs> and energetically, even today, we're still, I think, like, we're still kind of working through that moment. I, I feel that a little bit, you know, and that's, but we're working through it. Well, yeah, I'm like a mess over here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm like blown away by you and just like your ability to to go there. And, yeah. uh, you know, that was hard for uh, me too. I was just sitting here just like feeling and you know, just having like massive love for you and knowing it's just been hard. It's been, you know, we're going to, in this next episode, we're going to talk about kind of the flip side of it. Yeah. But it's been really, it's been really hard and I know it's been hard on you. Yeah. You know? Well, thank you for being understanding and accepting and for getting it wrong, me, uh, many times, um, but that we keep talking about it. And and one thing I say so interesting because I've reminded you a couple of times, which is good because I'm doing it. I was like, EJ, even though like it's not happening, like maybe we're not having as much sex as we would like or, you know, whatever it is, I said, we have to still talk about it. Right. And even last week, even though I'm the low desire one and what I really want to do is just avoid it because it's so uncomfortable. I'm like, remember, we have to talk about intimacy every two to three times a week at least. And just, you know, two days ago, we're like making popcorn in the kitchen and you're like, hey, you want to talk about intimacy? And I was like, <laughs> yep, we have yeah, to. sure. But if we don't, like, it's going to just get deprioritized. And okay, so anyway, like just, you know, to kind of wrap this up for me, it's okay. Paying attention, accepting that, it won't like be like this forever if you pay attention to it and you know that you really want to be connected to your body again, whatever that looks like or feels like. Like it's, you know, it is a journey that you prioritize it for yourself because that's important. Um, that body image and confidence, I think, is a huge part of it. You know, just feeling good about myself and feeling proud and doing things for me, which I'm starting to do more of, is significant. And letting your partner know that it, it's really not about you, EJ. It is, does it involve you? Sure. Is it my battle with my own body? Absolutely. Does anxiety play a huge part in it? For sure. But am I willing to work on that for us and for me 100%? Yeah. You're amazing, baby. Thank you. I love you very much. Yeah, I love you too. Yeah. All right, well... You know, this is like sort of like one of our most heartfelt uh, podcasts we've ever done. And, um, you know, we do it because we know, because we've worked with literally like probably, you know, a thousand couples. Yeah. We know like such a high percentage of couples deal with this and just have no idea what to do with it. And it's it's such a complex but important discussion to have. And so, you know, we really encourage you guys to, if this is something that you're like, wow, me and my partner aren't dealing with this. I mean, one of the suggestions we give oftentimes is just like talk about maybe talking about it. Like yeah. don't get into it, but say like, hey, I heard this podcast today. It was about high frisky, low frisky, you know, it was about <laughs> libido. 
and I want to talk about this and we don't have to get into it today, but man, like I want to talk about it and I want to be loving and supportive of each other because that's the key, right? Is that you can be loving and supportive because neither of you are in the enviable position. Like it's not fun to be on either side of this dynamic. No. And if you need help, then you, you you get help, you know, you get a you get yeah. a couples counselor, you get a, a sex therapist, you get somebody who who can create a really safe environment for the two of you to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. How are you doing over there, sweetheart? <laughs> I'm good. I'm better. Yeah. But uh yeah, no, thank you. Thanks for listening. Feel super safe to be vulnerable, which is a really good feeling. Yeah. I'm glad we worked we worked hard at that. Absolutely. Yeah. I love you. Love you too. All right. Well, thank you as always for listening. And as I always end, uh, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Me and you just singing on the train. Me and you listening to the rain. Me and you, we are the same. Me and you have all the fame we need. Indeed, you and me are we. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.